Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just gathering us back here this evening. Uh, thank you for bringing us uh, as a family back into your word. And Lord, we uh, look forward to just uh, stepping back into Ezekiel. We pray that your spirit would uh, illuminate and give us understanding. Lord, apply these things uh, to our lives today. Uh, we ask, Lord, uh, you just to be in our midst tonight, uh, clear our minds of any of the distractions of the day that we'd hear clearly from you. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes, uh, I've just reached, uh, this is going to be part two of what we were uh, in back in July, Rapidly Fading Glory, part two, Lessons from Tyre. Again, Rapidly Fading Glory, part two, Lessons from Ancient Tyre. And I do want to uh, just go through, I've got a couple of things, if we can pull the slides up, uh, help you maybe visually uh, give some clarity. And uh, if you remember... Um, when we went into chapter 26, I mentioned that uh, this is somewhat, as we kind of ease our way in, uh, academic in nature, help you understand uh, historically uh, where does ancient Tyre fit in, uh, why does God dedicate three full chapters to this, uh, this ancient city, um, and we don't have all the reasons, but we, ha- we have some, and just want to, uh, by way of review, some of these uh, you saw, but I added a little bit of things in here to give you uh, some perspective. So this is what the ancient city looked like. If you re- remember over here would, uh, was also considered Tyre. Uh, this was the, um, you know, again, if you have a city, take uh, uh, Washington, D.C. On one side of the Potomac, uh, you, you have just as many people living on one side of the Potomac as you do on the other. Well, in Tyre's case, far more people would have lived over here because the island only has so much space. But the island was the place, you know, it was the, it was the creme de la creme. It was where uh, the uh, top of the aristocracy, uh, those, that, uh, those that were in the highest positions of wealth, position, power within uh, ancient Phoenicia and Tyre, uh, they would certainly live here. There was also a military presence, uh, mostly naval, uh, but, but they did have uh, in the towers there archers and, and a... And a uh, hired army, but it was considered an impenetrable fortress. Uh, the water was incredibly deep uh, in this area, so you couldn't, you know, if you were to attack the city, you couldn't put ladders down uh, in the water because it was so deep, uh, it would just swallow up the ladders. So these things were uh, just kind of natural defenses, uh, but, you know, this is where the decision-making power was. This is where they also had their, uh, their temples uh, for their pagan worship. Uh, there was there was a lot of idolatry, and they had their own uh, form of worship there. That and that the festivals and things took place on uh, the island fortress itself. But over here, you did have uh, massive amounts of uh, the population and the working class and everybody else on that side uh, over there, which would be mainland Lebanon, Lebanon today. And then just gives you just a, the ancient Phoenicia was small from a landmass perspective, uh, similar like I mentioned Hong Kong already. Hong Kong, you know, for a small little area, uh, you probably have seen your whole life made in Hong Kong. You know, it's like how many things can be made on one island? You know, all these things that pass through uh, one small area. And Hong Kong, of course, uh, you know, a huge port there in, in Southeast Asia, uh, a big financial center, but so... Big things can come in small packages. Brussels, Belgium, similar uh, you have places around the world that are like that. But Phoenicia, 
you know, you're looking at uh, what is effectively runs the coast of modern-day Lebanon, the Phoenicians, uh, where we get our alphabet, you know, the, the, origin, the origins of it from them. And here's these, uh, the sister cities that the, the scriptures speak of in chapter 26. And then the, uh, the city itself, the fortress city, would have been off, just off the coast. But all these were Phoenician uh, cities, and Tyre was the place to be. Sidon would be the second, you know, if you're kind of, uh, you know, New York City and D.C., you can decide which one's, which one's the greatest. Uh, New York City is more of a, it's a much larger city, more impressive from a distance, and that's the way uh, Tyre was. And then um, this gives you, again, old Tyre. This is, uh, this is what was destroyed before the uh, island fortress ever got touched, and that would come later with Alexander the Great. We'll look at that in just a second. And... Uh, later, this will all be in today. This is all one landmass. The present coastline you can see here. Uh, once this causeway had been put in, erosion builds up, and all that land, all the sand and debris is trapped there. So today, this is all one landmass. Uh, but the reason uh, that, that happened is because you know, the Lord says in the 26th chapter here that He's going to send Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar will come against ancient Tyre. Well, he did his best. He did his best to attack the city, uh, but he could never. He he spent thirteen years attacking ancient Tyre. He destroyed all of this, you know, killed many people, laid that area in ruins, took many people in slavery. But in thirteen years, uh, Nebuchadnezzar didn't have a navy, and he could never get and penetrate the island there. So they were so self-sufficient from there, they could still go into other parts of the world and bring back, you know, wine, food, grain, go down to Egypt, go anywhere they wanted to. Uh, These folks were, well, you were in really bad shape if you were stuck on that side. Uh, But he could never get to, uh, he could never get to the ancient city, uh, he could never get to the fortress, the island fortress. And so eventually, you know, he gives up and, uh, you know, they kind of have an agreement and ancient Tyre does pay tributary, you know, that they're willing to kind of, you know, acquiesce and, you know, kind of call, call it a day. Uh, so there is some mediated peace. Uh, but later comes Alexander the Great, and, uh, well, in 332, uh, he wants, 332 B.C., Alexander the Great wants to uh, go on to the island fortress and worship in their temple, their god, and they would have none of him being a foreigner and not a Tyrrhenian. And so they actually killed his envoys, threw them over the wall, and he didn't take that real well. Uh, he was enraged and came up with an idea that no one else had ever thought of. He took all the ancient ruins that Nebuchadnezzar had left there, and he cast them into the sea and built them up until they became a causeway for his, his troops to go across. And uh, it was diabolically ingenious uh, that, that he came up with that. And they just, they just scraped it like a rock, like, just like the scripture said, scraped it till they had made a causeway. And he lost many men in the process because their ships would actually park on both sides of the causeway and fire thousands of arrows. And, and so they had to battle their way out there. But he eventually uh, sieges the city and he's so enraged, he destroys the city, crucifies uh, uh, some of the younger men uh, of the city, and that's the end of the island fortress, at least at that time. So we want to pick up um, 
think I had, that's what I just wanted to kind of give that as an overview. And uh, so just as a way of review, some of the things that we looked at, uh, if you were taking notes, uh, we looked at four, we looked at four things and we only got to two of them, but I'm just going to give you a brief review of the two that we looked at. Uh, first was wealthy and confident. Uh, ancient Tyre was considered the greatest commercial city in the Old Testament. And there's other cities that would rival it, but uh, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, it was just a fantastically uh, successful, wealthy uh, commercial city. The the name Tyre means rock. Uh, It was the center of the Mediterranean trade, uh, really the center of trade in, uh, if you look at Africa, Middle East, and Europe, uh, it sits right there, and it was trading heavily with the Middle East, Africa, Europe. Uh, but the, the word Tyre means rock, and that's because that island fortress is made of rock, and it made it uh, just an impenetrable force. They built the walls on top of the, on top of the rock island there. Uh, it was the most prominent of the Phoenician cities. You saw the other cities that are on the coast there. Uh, but um, in the past, uh, Israel had a good relationship with Tyre. And uh, remember Solomon... Oh, he was incredibly wealthy too, and, and uh, perhaps the wealthiest man, uh, wealthiest individual, perhaps the wealthiest individual king uh, the world's ever seen. I mean, and he had uh, a great relationship with many kings, including uh, Tyre. So Hiram uh, was the king of Tyre, and he uh, imported a lot of the wood uh, for the temple as well as his own, uh, his own homes, his, uh, his home in the forest and other things that he built. Uh, he, Israel had a good working relationship, uh, but when, when God was bringing judgment, uh, Tyre didn't have any uh, pity uh, for Israel. And they were wealthy and confident and really felt like the things that were happening to Israel would never happen to them. The things that were happening to Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem was considered quite a fortress itself because it sits at the top of a mountain, and that was part of the problem with those in Jerusalem, they also thought... Jerusalem was fairly impenetrable, uh, but Jerusalem wasn't even near as a geographically impenetrable position as Tyre. But they were wealthy, they were confident, uh, they mocked uh, Israel's fall, and they really kind of also had a vested interest in Israel falling because as far as the land bridge goes, when trade would move through uh, ancient Israel, Israel would pass a tax on it. And so with Israel removed, uh, they, could perha- they could perhaps move trade through there with any, without any tax. You ever wonder, you ever notice that people uh, that have a lot of money still are always looking for ways to still shave off a little more cost and make a little more? You're always thinking, don't you have enough already? You ever thought that when you watch people that are like, in, I mean, you just know they're incredibly wealthy, and, and yet you're like, why do you care if you make another 1%? But that, you know, that would matter to the business magnets of Tyre. They, Israel's removed from the equation. That little bit of tax that they contribute on it is it's profit that's coming out of our pocket. And uh, now that they're out of the way, uh, we'll kind of control the whole thoroughfare there on the land bridge uh, coming up from uh, Africa or through the Middle East. Uh, then we looked at uh, judged and condemned. And again, this is all way of review back in July since it's been six, seven weeks. Uh, the Lord says that um, it's a definite that Tyre is going to be 
judged, and, and even this island fortress that had stood uh, for so long, uh, that it too would be destroyed, just like Jerusalem. In Psalm 919, the scriptures say, Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let nations be judged in your sight. Uh, there's no nation that can escape God's judgment. Uh, if, if the Lord wants to bring judgment, it doesn't matter the sophistication. It doesn't matter uh, the, uh, the relationships uh, with other countries. Israel tried that. They tried to have other countries that would be in alliance with them. But the Lord can bring any nation down. The height of, uh, the height of Tyre, uh, the height of its empire was between the 8th and 10th centuries in that range was the height of that, um, height of that power. Uh, but the Lord would bring against them first uh, Babylon, and then later would come Greece, and later would come uh, Rome, and as I mentioned, later would become uh, Muslim armies um, uh, A.D. Uh, they, as, as a country, the Lord cites a number of things that, that ancient Tyre uh, was guilty of. Uh, guilty of greed, guilty of insatiable materialism, uh, a very callous people. Uh, you know, they, they traded human beings as slaves just as much as they would trade gold, silver, uh, oil, grain, uh, very callous. Uh, it was about making money, uh, and again, if other people uh, were on the short end of the stick, that wasn't, a, that wasn't an issue for them. Uh, very proud, idolatrous, um, as far as uh, the idolatry goes, very sexually immoral as well. Uh, many, of the, uh, many of the ancient relics and things uh, from all over uh, that part of the world, uh, that was common uh, with idolatry there as well. The, um, when you look at our own country, uh, you'll, you see a lot of parallels uh, to ancient Tyre. We, we also have, we suffer from these same things, greed, increasingly callous. I mean, you see what's going on with Planned Parenthood. Many people don't care at all. It's, it's not, well, it's not even a baby. You know, it's, uh, we really know when life begins. We're pretty sure when, when we, can, uh, we can save preemies uh, at, that, are, that are much younger than some of these babies being aborted, but you see the callousness that has come. And just like maybe we're not trading slaves, but we don't seem to have a problem uh, if there was, there'd be a, great, a much greater outcry in our own nation. But God notices the heart of a nation, doesn't he? He sees really where we're really at. Not where we say we're at, but where we're really at. And what really motivates us. In Tyre, they certainly, uh, they understood the God of, uh, of Israel. They would have known. Uh, you know, Jerusalem wasn't that far. We're not... You're not Southern Lebanon to Jerusalem, you can do that today if you have a car. You can drive there. Uh, it's not going to take you but a couple hours. If you, well, depending on how much checkpoint through Lebanon and all that stuff goes. But, but what, by distance, it's not that far. They, they were aware of the true and living God, but they rejected uh, just like ancient Israel did. Uh, if you look, um, look in chapter 26... There is, a, uh, there is a switch. The judgment that comes, the first judgment that comes, uh, and this is again all of my way of review, uh, the first judgment that comes is from Nebuchadnezzar. God sends Babylon against Tyre. And so for the 13 years that he 
tries to subdue uh, the vast majority of those that would be Tyrrhenians, not those on the island fortress, but those that are on the coastland, uh, they would be overrun and Nebuchadnezzar destroys all of that area. In verse 14 of chapter 26, where the Lord says, I will make you like the top of a rock and you shall be a place for spreading nets. You shall never be rebuilt for I, the Lord, has spoken. Um, I believe in verse 14, this switches to where ancient Greece would come in. You know, many times when God, uh, in the prophecies, uh, the Lord will switch and there's no designation whatsoever uh, that there's a switch there. Nebuchadnezzar is, is the first one to kind of come. He says he's going to bring many nations like the waves of the sea. And just like a wave washes up, goes back out, what happens next? Another wave comes up, washes out, and another one comes, and Rome would come after that. So, uh, and they would also pay tributary to Persia uh, in between, in between um, Babylon and Greece. So, and they also paid tribute to Assyria. But not all those nations attacked with the vengeance that Nebuchadnezzar did and Alexander the Great did. Those two came with everything they had uh, to level and destroy, to bring the kind of judgment that the Lord is speaking of here. So Greece would actually be the one that would actually make the the island like a rock, uh, just burn everything to the ground. It would be Alexander the Great that would accomplish the full weight of judgment. It's also something else to remember uh, when you think about judgment for nations it doesn't always happen in one fell swoop, does it? And in our own nation, we can get warning after warning after warning, and they can be. Uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned uh, back earlier this summer, Dr. Tony Evans uh, said not long ago that he believes America is currently under a partial judgment already. And I believe that's true. I believe it's uh, evident in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at the, the amount of proliferation of diseases in our nation, and stress-related things, and anxiety, and heart attacks, and you know, all types of things that, uh, you know, we just, on the, on the one hand, we have more doctors, more hospitals, more everything, but no one seems to be genuinely healthy, right? Then I see, like, uh, I saw someone recently that they're uh, going to get real healthy and do CrossFit, and they tear their bicep. It's like every single thing that we try and do uh, to, to kind of just uh, have it all, and the Lord says, none of it's working. And it's just uh, one thing after another, failure. But that doesn't even count all the other things that have happened uh, that would be uh, warning signs to us uh, over the last just 10 years, from 9-11 to Hurricane Katrina to you know the tornadoes that ripped through uh, Alabama and all through the southeast and all of these things that God allows uh, that could and should turn us to realize, wow, you know, we, we really aren't masters of our own domain. We really could uh, you know, be judged severely, but are we listening? Well, judgment doesn't always come in one fell swoop, and so those that are on the island, similar to Jerusalem, Israel had been ten tribes carried away. Jerusalem kind of felt like, hey, uh, that was for them, we'll be fine. Entire felt the same way that uh, hey we we had survived the first wave Nebuchadnezzar could never touch the island and they had that pompous arrogant belief that they couldn't be touched and uh, Alexander the Great of course disproved that and God used him to do it 
So let's look at the last two things tonight, and we really kind of focus on uh, what the Lord says is the, is the reaction of the outside world. And if you think about it, if you think about a place that, uh, that everyone looks up to, even if they don't necessarily like, take the United States. The world looks up to the United States in a certain degree, to a certain degree, even people that don't like the United States, right? They know, all right, America's going to probably win the Summer Olympics. Medal count. You think that makes everyone around the world happy? No. Some people despise that. Uh, you know, the highest standard of living. You know, most, uh, you know, most, like I mentioned, healthcare, best healthcare system in the world. Uh, as far as number of doctors, I'm not saying how the healthcare system is currently working necessarily, but, but the you know, best doctors, best medical system, best universities uh, in the world. Most uh, of the best universities in the world, you know, you know, Cambridge and Oxford and London, but they've got a, I mean, in England, they've got a few. The United States has many of those. And really, anything you think of on the world stage, the United States has many of it. Many cars, many manufacturers, all of these things. And so we have a, a position, and if the, if the United States ever was dropped down severely or completely judged, what would be the reaction of the world? Well, we see kind of a similar, uh, what the reaction, uh, people are astonished. The world couldn't believe uh, that even though the ancient Tyre was a was an interesting, an interesting situation, they did not have the most dominant armies like the Greeks did and the Roman army would and Babylon did. Uh, they were um, they had a they had an army. They had they had a, a superior navy. They had a mercenary army, a paid a paid army. But you know they really their kind of niche in the world was. You work with us, and you'll make a lot of money. And that worked for a long time. I mean, they, 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 the nations of the world uh, were happy to work with them. Uh, but then along comes a guy like Nebuchadnezzar, who God has used to bring judgment to various... And he's not looking to just do business with Tyre. He wants to take over. Alexander the Great is the same way. He's not looking to just do business. He wants to take over. Uh, there's a world leader coming. It won't want to just do business with the world. He wants to take over the world. The Antichrist. There really is someone coming someday that won't be just looking to just, uh, you know, everyone gets their fair share. He wants to rule and reign. You know, people forget that uh, throughout history, God has always allowed, uh, for judgment's sake, uh, these men that have egos and, that are driven beyond anyone's comprehension to continue to push forward, to destroy, to take captive. And this is something that uh, Tyre didn't really think applied to them because they had kind of working agreements with everybody. You ever met the person that everyone's friends with? That everyone gets along with? And, and ty- but Tyre's in a we- it's, it's hard to, in our culture, put, anyone in, put something in this context because on the one hand, uh, they, they didn't mind trading in human beings like slavery, so they weren't like good, fun-loving in that respect. But they did, they did provide one thing that everyone seemed to like, money. If you work with us, you ever heard about someone having a Midas touch? 
Everything they touch turns to gold. They had that ability, and they were expert traders, and they, and they had superior uh, ships. They could get products to market faster than everybody else, and so they kind of sat as a hub. But the world is shocked. There's a beginning of lamentation and judgment that takes place. Look at verses 15 through 17. This is the reaction that God says the world will have. Uh, all the princes of the sea will come down from their thrones, lay aside their robes, and take their embroidered garment. They'll clothe themselves with trembling. They'll sit on the ground and tremble every moment and be astonished at you. Can you imagine seeing like big business leaders, major world leaders, sitting on the ground like Indian-style weeping? It'd be kind of hard to imagine. Um, but the fact that tires destroyed would make them wonder, what about us? And we made a lot of money off them. You remember when Enron went completely belly up? You saw people in suit and tie, just tears streaming down their face. Because why? Their security was wrapped up in that 401k that Enron, it was all a mirage, but it, that they had put all of their, every single share, every single stock option, that was all in Enron. And when you find that uh, if, if Tyre was kind of your trading partner that was making you a lot of money, and they're completely removed, and the infrastructure is removed, you immediately wonder, we don't know how to rebuild that. It's going to take at least a decade of us, our standard of living dropping like a rock, like the Great Depression. But people on one day you know, might have been living in a beautiful brownstone, and the next day the bank collected it, and they're in soup lines. The prince of the sea will come down. Uh, the prince of the sea will probably somehow make a way for themselves, but they don't, do know that this is going to have a big impact on their own economies. Um, in verse 17, which says, You renounce city. Now, it's interesting that the first wave of judgment that comes, comes from who? Babylon. Uh, why, why that's interesting is uh, Babylon and Tyre, in the Bible, uh, are both symbols of what? I'll answer the question. They're both symbols of the world system. They're both symbolic of the world system. Matter of fact, they're actually considered by many Bible scholars as twin cities in the Bible. Babylon, Tyre. They mirror each other in many ways. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 18 for just a, just a second. Revelation 18. Uh, so you have ancient Babylon where Ezekiel is prophesying from. Remember who goes to Babylon and is carried away? Daniel, Ezekiel, they're both there in Babylon. They're in the ancient city of Babylon. But then, and if you go way back in the Bible, you have, what, the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is where you get the name Babylon. That comes all the way from the, it's the same region of the world, same part of the world, modern-day Iraq. But Babel was a world system, and at that time the world spoke one language. Now notice in our lifetime, we're already getting to the place that languages will very soon be irrelevant. Uh, from a technology standpoint, most of your phones, you can speak in 
Uh, mine, I have an English to Spanish translation on there, but you can, you can hook up Mandarin, you can hook up German, you can speak, and it'll actually translate it back to you in another language. Now, the technology is coming, and it's already being used, that you'll be able to speak to people, and they'll just hear you in their language if they had an earpiece or something. like Kind of like you see at the United Nations, they already do. Everyone's got the earpiece in, they hear the language. Well, Babel had one language. It was a world system, and God dispersed that world system. But world systems have always tried to come back together. And Babylon, under Nebuchadnezzar, as he consolidated power, he brought many regions, he took languages, and actually, even when he would uh, take uh, captives, one of the things they would do, this is why Daniel and Ezekiel were over in Babylon, he would take people from the other countries, bring them to their country, and merge them into the culture so they would become Babylonian. And they would also resettle Babylonian people in the other countries. So you would actually mix the populations in both directions, and you have one homogenous population with one culture, one allegiance. Well, the system, the Babylon, there really was the Babylon city, but there's also the Babylon world system. And we don't really know in Revelation 18 where it speaks of mystery Babylon, This it, it, there appears to be a real city that is destroyed. And it will be the seat of the future world system. Where that city will be, some people even propose, will ancient Tyre be rebuilt? Could that be uh, the future? Uh, Could it be a place like Dubai, uh, which has emerged out of nowhere like a mirage in in, in our lifetime? Could it be uh, London? Could it be New York City? Uh, There's many different theories uh, when it comes to where the final Babylon will be. But clearly Babylon speaks to a world system and Tyre speaks to a world system. But we see some real similarities between Tyre and the future Babylon in Revelation 18. Uh, take a, let me read a couple of them to you. State, uh, look at, um, they're both great cities, both considered great cities. Look at verse 16 of Revelation 18. And saying, alas, alas, actually look at verse 9 first. Uh, verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication live luxuriously with her, will weep and lament for her when they see her, see the smoke of her burning. Remember how it says the princes will all come and lay down their garments, and they will, they will bemoan and wail, and here we see the same kind of response. The world leaders, when a great city that everyone gets rich from collapses, it doesn't make people that are actually in these leadership positions happy. There's going to be weeping. Look at, uh, speaking of the city, though, verse 16 uh, alas, alas, that great city was clothed in fine linen, purple, scarlet. We actually see the linen and purple re, uh, related to Tyre. Matter of fact, the purple dye uh, came from that part of the world. It came out of, um, I can't remember which, uh, I think it was a certain kind of clamshell or something like that. But it was something in the sea where they would get the purple dye, and that was uh, prominent in that area of Tyre. Uh, but anyway, that city... Uh, adorned with precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Now we know in our lifetime that with, with nuclear weapons, one hour can bring down not only one city, but many cities. And so something will take place in this future Babylon, uh, which may be renamed Babylon in the future, or it's just symbolic of the world system that will sit at that particular city. And so we see some similarities there. Look at verse 19. They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea 
became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she was made deathlet. The other similarity with Tyre is this city seems to have a port, and shipping is a key component to this future city as well. Just like ancient Tyre, it has a great port, brings in uh, wealth and wares from around the world, and I believe that this future city will actually uh, have a coast as well, as the scripture uh, tells us here um, about the ships and all these things. Uh, great sadness, great lamentation. We see some similarities in both, uh, in both these chapters. So the world's response is pretty clear. They're just jaw-dropping. They can't understand how this could have possibly happened. Now, that's where prophets come in, because they're there to say why it happened. Amen? Prophets are there to say, thus saith the Lord. This has happened because, and to turn people back. And then the last thing I want to look at um, in our closing minutes together, uh, the shock and sadness, but also a reminder to our nation and all the world powers, and we're not the only world power in the world. China's out there. Russia's out there. The European Union is a conglomeration of countries, but uh, from heights to ruin, if you're taking notes, from heights to ruin... Now, I want to look at 10 attributes of ancient Tyre. Uh, if you've taken notes, we'll just, you can write them down. 10 attributes of ancient Tyre. Uh, and that was all through chapter 27. One, it was a renowned city. In Isaiah chapter 23, verse 8, it's called the crowning city. Tyre was called the crowning city by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, even in Isaiah's time, who was well before uh, Ezekiel and Daniel, he recognized Tyre as the top of the top. That city had all the wealth, all the fun stuff, Broadway shows, best, best sporting events, everything you could want. You know, you know when you go to New York City, it is a, you know, some people hate New York City. I, I actually like New York City. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to do in New York City and great restaurants. That, you know, that's kind of, a, that was ancient Tyre. It was a renowned city. It was renowned for the finer things of the world. Anything that you could think of, Tyre would have the best opera, whatever it may be. Talks about, uh, we'll get to that in just a second, uh, music. But number two, they ruled the sea. Uh, later, after, I don't know if you know this, but after ancient Tyre is destroyed by Alexander the Great, some Tyrrhenians escape, and they escape to North Africa, and they would later become a great empire again by the name of Carthage. You ever heard of Hannibal? Hannibal would actually take his armies up through Spain. He used elephants, uh, and they actually took the elephants all the way through the Alps and fought against the Romans. Eventually, uh, the Romans defeated Hannibal uh, after he had made his way almost all the way down uh, down through Italy. Uh, but uh, Hannibal's defeated, and those are all the the Carth. Uh, the people of Carthage are the descendants of the Phoenicians. They actually were those that escaped uh, from Alexander the Great, and they rebuilt. They, they were genius when it came to the sea, and they had, uh, matter of fact, the reason why Rome was so much at war with Carthage is Rome wanted to take over the Mediterranean on the sea, but they couldn't because up until, uh, up until I can't remember what the exact time was, but uh, Carthage had the far better ships, the better fleets, and they would continually defeat Rome at sea until 
one of their ships was captured by Rome, and Rome took the ship apart piece by piece, figured out how the, Carth- uh, uh, the people of Carthage, how they made the ship, and they started to make every Roman ship the same way, and that's how they ended up defeating Carthage. And when Rome finally comes down to Carthage, they destroyed Carthage. There's nothing left. Um, so even the descendants of Tyre, all the way over to Carthage, the long arm of judgment even extends there because eventually Rome destroys Carthage. But um, they ruled the sea from a trade standpoint. Nobody could get products to market faster. Nobody had faster ships. Nobody had more ships. And nobody had the best as far as nautical knowledge on how to get places. They understood the sea. Now, they did lose a lot of people in gaining that knowledge along the way, but they had, they had cornered the market uh, on the sea. Number three, according to verse 12 and 26, um, by the way, uh, the passage is 26 verse 17 for, for one and two. But number three, they were incredibly wealthy, which we've already looked at. According to verse 12 of 26, uh, they will plunder your riches and your merchandise. Great amounts of wealth. Incredibly wealthy. Number four, high standard of living. Your pleasant houses. Now, a lot of people in the world don't have pleasant houses, but most Americans do. Much of the world lives in poverty. About a billion people are in clear poverty in this world. Uh, Our standard of living, you know, a lot of times our folks in this country think they're poor if, if they don't have ultimate cable, you know? Wait, wait. We only got 100 channels, but my neighbor is 300, you know, whatever it may be. We have a great standard of living in this nation. You think about the first four so far, and you parallel them to us. Renowned city. We have some of the most renowned cities on earth. Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York. Everyone knows those cities around the world. Even if they've never been there, they have a mental picture. You mentioned New York City. People around the world have a mental picture of Manhattan. Hollywood, they just see the sign. It's renowned. Ruled the sea. We have the world's number one navy. Number one navy. We bring more tonnage in. Wealthy, highest standard of living in real means. Yeah, you'll see sometimes these studies, well, America doesn't have the highest standard of living. Then you see on house hunters the house they get over in Europe. It's like 300 square feet, right? So real, real living. Number four, high standard of living. Number five, they loved music. I'll put an end to the sound of songs. The sound of your heart shall be heard no more. Americans love music. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. iTunes by the thousands and thousands and thousands of songs. We've given music to the whole world in every form, every digital format, cloud format, you name it. Number six, beautiful. 27 verse 4, your borders in the midst of the seas, your buildings have perfected your beauty. Um, our nation's a beautiful nation, isn't it? Sea to shining sea. The cities are beautiful at night. Uh, you know, just unrivaled some of the things that, uh, that we've been blessed with. Uh, beautiful city, beautiful area in Tyre. Uh, their ships were beautiful. Again, they, they, they wanted the finer things. Number seven, Worldwide impact. 
Look at verses, uh, you don't have time, we don't have time to read, but 5 through 25. Look at all the nations of the world they traded with. And they had the upper hand in the trade. They understood the trade. They could actually, they could barter commodities because they would have commodities. They would have all the, you know, if, you, if you're ever trading something and you only have one thing and someone else has ten things, you have, you have a little more power because you have many things to offer. Like the cheesecake factory menu, it's got like eight million things on it, right? What do I decide? I don't know where that came from. I haven't eaten dinner yet, so maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> Number eight: highly organized and specialized. Highly organized and specialized. You think of the complex organization of our own nation. Uh, look at verse twenty-seven: your riches, wares. Merchandise, your mariners, your pilots, your caulkers, your merchandiser, your men of war. Distinguished job roles. Very, very sophisticated machinery. That everything works like a machine. Think about Wall Street, how it works. How the military works. How the business world works. How the academic world works. All of these. And they actually have connected pieces that no one understands. But somehow it all Works, if you want to call it that, I guess, right? Number nine, pleased many people. You know, Coca-Cola had reached every nation in the world before the gospel had, at least from a from missionary standpoint. I mean, we believe that the gospel had gone around the world with the apostles, but when you think about there definitely has been countries uh, that when they got there, the people had heard of Coca-Cola but had never heard of Jesus. You know that's true. That's, that's a fact. That they had gotten there. Well, where does Coca-Cola come from? Atlanta, Georgia. They had heard of Coke, but they had never heard of Jesus. They had seen a Coca-Cola logo, and they oh, they'd never heard of Jesus. Well, Coca-Cola has pleased many people. One sip of that refreshing cold beverage, right? Well, Tyre had pleased many. Look at verse 33. When you, your wares went out by sea and you satisfied many people, many people had, had been introduced to products that they had never heard of because of tire. Don't you love it when like a new product comes out and you're like, I've never heard of that before. Maybe it comes over from Europe and the Germans have been using it and you're like, what? Someone else told you about it. That blender makes yours look pathetic, right? It'll, it'll throw a golf ball in there, it'll blend it like in, that in 10 seconds, right? No problem. Blades are sharp as can be, whatever it may be. Just, you know, see products like that. Well, this is what, uh, this is what the ancient tire would do. They would actually introduce people to new products, new things, please many people. Number 10, economic juggernaut. Verse 33, you enrich the kings of the earth with your many luxury goods and your merchandise. Economic juggernaut. The kings of the earth said, these guys, they're making us all rich. Improving the standard of living. You know, when you think about the, uh, the boom that took place in the late 1800s and early 1900s, um, you've, you've all heard of the, the barons and the tycoons of trade and industry. All those guys like uh, Carnegie and uh, J.P. Morgan and Rockefeller. Uh, now, they got super rich, true? They got super, super rich, like Monopoly board rich. But they raised the standard of living for who? Everybody else. 
because of all those things that took place, Henry Ford, all those guys, because of all that stuff that took place today, everyone else is the beneficiary of it. Economic juggernaut, the United States itself, uh, became and still remains, in spite of the massive debt, an economic juggernaut. But what is the end of all this? Destruction. Destruction. God brings it all to nothing. The verse 32, they'll be wailing for you. They'll take up lamentation and lament what cities like Tyre destroyed in the midst of the sea. Verse 35, the kings will be greatly afraid. All of the stuff, all of the empire building, all of the belief that other nations will be overrun, other nations will be touched, other nations will be judged, but we won't be touched. Don't you feel like sometimes we have that kind of smug attitude? Oh, those poor Haitians. They don't have anything to drink, but not us. We got all we want. What's on TV? You know, you look at, you know, I I pray that we as believers would have a much more humble gratitude for what we have and, and really be sharing what we have and You know, the best way to be under the protection of God is to say, Lord, thank you for having mercy and to share it with people, but not some smug attitude like ancient Tyre that, hey, we're glad you've been removed or we can make more money now or we can have more of what we want. Matthew Henry said, the fall of others should awaken us out of our security. The death or decay of others in the world is a check to us. When we dream that our mountain stands strongly and shall not be moved. It's a dream, isn't it? That our mountain can't be moved. But he that thinks he stand, take heed lest he what? Fall. I don't know about you. I mean, I love the nation we live in, but I know it's true. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And as big as America is and as untouchable as many people think. Ah, we couldn't be touched. We have, the best, we have the best navy in the world. We have the best army. Our cyber terrorists, I, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people who say, they can't cyber terrorize us because we can cyber terror them right back. Really? What if someone gets there first? Right? Now, that just seems academic to me. But again, all these things, false security, Tyre had a false security, a belief in its own self, a belief in its own image. And all this is going to culminate, again, all this is a foreshadow, and I mentioned um, verses 20 and 21. It says, I'll bring you down to the pit. This is a foreshadowing of when the world system, even though the the ancient king of Tyre and all the people that that, uh, flaunted their uh, attitude, they would be personally judged, and they would, if they died you know, in their rebellion, they'd go to hell. But it's also a foreshadowing when the whole world system is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And it says in verse 20, I'll make you a terror, you shall be no more. Though you are sought for, you'll never be found again. This is the darkness and blackness of eternal judgment where God is giving a foreshadow here that Tyre is a picture of the world system that Jesus himself will personally defeat. And he will take all the kings in the world, he'll judge all the nations of the world, and Armageddon, where he'll defeat them with the sword of his mouth, and all of them 
the Antichrist, the false prophet, all the kings of the world will be brought to nothing, never remembered again. Um, Aren't you glad that uh, you and I are in the kingdom that will reign forever and ever? You know, the world is so impressed by itself, isn't it? And we can get impressed by it too. I get impressed sometimes. I have to stop myself. Why am I impressed by that? You ever feel that way? You ever think you're watching something, you're like, oh, wow, look at Prince William and his wife Kate, or, you know, just, I mean, you're like, they're just people like us. They cut, they bleed, you know, they're just people just like us. And great empires are just there because God has not yet brought judgment. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the reminders. The the past nations that have been judged are a check to us that, that we too, as a nation, and even individually, Lord, should we ever rise up with pride, Lord, that uh, you can easily not only put us in our place, but bring the judgment that would certainly astonish, get our attention. And Lord, we just, as we close tonight, we, we think of our own country we continue to pray for revival that uh, these attributes, the ten attributes and in, in others that are in the text, Lord, certainly mirror much of our own nation, our attitude, our wealth, our position. But Lord, we know that your word says some trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And Jesus, we just uh, pray that you would um, use us as lights and witnesses in this world Uh, that we would not be those uh, that are trusting in what we have, but are trusting in who we know as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this time, and Lord, we just pray that you just continue to bless this study as we go forward in the coming weeks. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, next week, uh, if you want to read ahead, you're